And here comes Milwaukee Forbes another three. Oh no! <laughs> this is the Random Scrooby Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all. We haven't talked to you in a while, and there's good reason for that. But we're back with another episode of the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. Harry is sitting this one out. It's just me and the Aussie from Down Under. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll notice we don't have our cameras on. That was a selective effort. Um, we did not want to have our cameras on. So if you're listening on the podcast, it's going to be the exact same. But we are here to talk about some Miami Heat basketball because we haven't talked to you in a little while since the, uh, the, the road trip out west that saw the Heat struggle a little bit. But we're going to pick right up from the last three games here because that's what everyone wants to hear about. It's the most recent thing that we've seen from Miami. They've won three in a row here. They beat Orlando. They beat Charlotte. And then the most recent game that just wrapped up here against Brooklyn, a game where Miami looked really, really disinterested. I've never seen a team look more like a team on the second night of a back-to-back than the Heat did in the first half against Brooklyn. And I was telling George before the game, before the show started, I was making fun of the Hornets last night for putting up, what, what was it, 32 points in the first half? saying that's an NBA team, by the way, scoring 32 points. The Heat said, hold on now. We're going to score in the 30s as well in the first half. Uh, It it was a pure case of just we don't want to be here. We don't want to be playing basketball in this cold city. And it showed. But then they turned it on in the second half. um, And and mostly to Tyler, who picked up most of the scoring. Jimmy was getting to the line, was amazing. Bam. Wasn't in the scoring column, but Bam did what he needed to do on the defensive side of the ball. Really just boxing out Claxton nonstop, getting all the rebounds pretty much from Claxton, minus a couple iffy calls for Claxton in the overtime period. But credit to five reasons here for some of these numbers and stats. The Miami's now on a 50-win pace and has completed only just the seventh game where Jimmy Bam and Hero finished the game together. That seems absurd and insane. I almost combined them there. Things are trending in the right direction, George, but... Their flaws still need to kind of be addressed if they want to put together another deep playoff run. What do you make about the recent win streak that the Heat are currently riding? Is it is it sustainable, or do you think uh, something else is going to kind of find its way to clog something up? When do we ever have anything sustainable with this team, LJ? We have nothing sustainable. And, and I, I don't mean that. Time. Inconsistency is the most sustainable thing that they have. It's the name of the game. It's, it's completely the name of the game at the Miami Heat. When we think that we're doing great, it's, um, you know, when the highs are high, we're happy, you know, and, and so we should be because we have to take whatever we can get because there are some glaring, glaring issues with this team. But to focus on something positive, Jimmy Butler's back. Jimmy finally back from his toe injury that was supposed to be sidelined him for, I think it was a maximum of three to four games. He's been out for nine or 10 now. Um, came back with a 31-point effort, only missed four shots the entire game, but also took, I think it was 19 free throws. So you've got to try and integrate that back into the game today. It was a very close game. Uh, first half was mostly abysmal for everyone except uh, Jimmy. And it showed because Bam couldn't hit the side of a barn. Tyler, Tyler was putting on himself to, to shoot more and to be the facilitator as much as he could as well. Uh, he was struggling. But that second half, that kind of rallying cry that that – Spo must have given in the uh, halftime halftime talk. Really put them around. Bam took a personal and and crashed the boards. He ended on twenty for the night. Uh, Tyler really was exceptional on that run. Like offensively, was exceptional on the run to the finish. And I'm happy to see it because we don't really have 
anybody outside of Jimmy who, who's extremely confident in those situations. Like I'd love to say Bam is as well. Bam does have his moments when it's when it's that when the shot when the like the offensive loads put on his back and he needs to to perform. But we don't really get that every night. So to have Tyler do that as well, he was phenomenal offensively. Defensively, he's got a lot of fix up. And I'm not saying that to be a, as a slide to him or anything like that. He just has a lot to figure out when it comes to guarding his man on the switches as well. The switches were kind of weird. He kind of let his man go a couple of times. Um, the body-to-body contact, the fouling, it's its its not ideal at all. But come playoff time, hopefully he's got a little bit more of a grasp on what he needs to be doing and how he needs to, um, how he needs to approach those situations. Because tonight, he did something very interesting. It was, um, it was Cam Thomas dribbling it down and Tyler picked him up and then the screen came and he instantly switched. He's like, get me off him. He has destroyed me the entire night. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't defend him. I can't stop him from scoring. So he's just, get me off him. He, he switched with Caleb and I don't mind that, you know, know your strengths and know your limitations, know your weaknesses and, and play two of them. So I'm happy with the way he closed out the game tonight. But in the overall conversation of how they've played over this last few games stretch, I haven't really had a problem with it. I'm kind of, I was happy they kind of lifted their performance the other day against the Hornets when uh, it was D-Wade day. And, you know, a quick shout out to D-Wade. We love you very much. And uh, you gave a lot of us a lot to be happy about over the years. And it's, it's great to see him just be close to the organization again. That's, that's the only thing that makes me happy in terms of what they could do to kind of salvage whatever they have between the organization and Dwayne Wade. It makes me very happy. But if I'm going to talk about the heat, you have to talk about the bench because that's what we're, you know, that's what we are. We, we, we source players from everywhere. We have a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of talent coming through, a lot of, you know, questionable pieces as well that we like to discuss. But I'll start with one, and it's probably the gla- the biggest and most glaring weakness with the Miami Heat to, to date, and it's the starting point, point guard spot with Kyle Lowry. Now, I don't have a problem with Kyle Lowry. I like him a lot. I like what he's done in terms of he's not been the best for us and in, in, in not close to what we expected from him because we thought when we got him, he was going to be this offensive powerhouse to really put next to Jimmy and Bam and get them going. We? When he first got traded, I was extremely excited. And so were many, many other Heat fans. All right. Many, many other Heat fans were excited. You were too, LJ. I, I, I was not. A hundred percent you were. Anyone close to me in my personal life will tell you I was so not moved by the the attain the obtainment of Kyle Lowry. I hated watching him in Toronto. That 2017, was it? Uh, or was it 2016? Playoff series against the Raptors in the second round. I it, it, it gave me such a, a permanent disdain for Kyle Lowry. I hated the way he would throw that big fat ass around, it just flopping nonstop and Lately. hitting shots that he should not be hitting. And then when he came to my team, I said I've said it on the on the post game show before too. I was like, well, I guess I don't have to hate him as much anymore because he's on my team. He's going to be doing all those things I dislike, but for my team. Little did I know it was just going to piss me off for 82 games instead of the usual like four to six when the Heat would play the Raptors. But that's that's my own personal hell. But before you go on, George, about Kyle Lowry, I, it's funny you bring him up because I wanted to talk about him actually for a second here. He has two points in his last two games. Not per game, mind you, total. 
He's averaged one point over the last two games. So two more points than uh, you and I have scored in the NBA recently. No one seems to be overly upset about it, though, and for good reason as well, because most of us fans are really just tired of beating that same drum. I know you are, George. Like, it's just not worth our energy at this point. We all know he's not great, but he's what we have at the point guard position. So it's kind of just like a fuck it situation. <laughs> he's what we got. Let's ride it out and uh, see what he can give us. Will he be on this team after the, the trade deadline? Probably. Absolutely. Right. What, what, what yeah, do you, he will here after that. He'll be there. And it's, it's not through any design or any fault. I feel like that's, that's what they're going with. They have a point guard and, and, forget any adjectives that want to follow or conjunctive sentences. There's nothing else. The fact that he's just a point guard. You're absolutely right. (laughs) Kyle Lowry on the depth chart has PG next to his name. He has PG next to his name. And the only other person with PG next to his name on this team is Drew Smith. And he's actually, according to ESPN, Tyler hero is uh, the Miami point guard as well, which is, which is just a fabrication. That's a lie. That's, that's a lie. We both know it. We Tyler Hero is, in every sense of the word, a shooting guard. As, as somebody, as both of us and Hot Take Harry as well can can attest to, we've all watched every game. We watch every game. ESPN reps do not watch every Heat game. I can guarantee you that, because if that's the case, he is not a point guard. He's a through and through Donovan Mitchell type shooting guard. There's no mistaking it. He might have 10 assists one night. That's fine. But he is a shooting guard through and through. He truly is. And I guess we'll we'll, we'll shift the conversation a little bit to Tyler Hero too. Because You know what? I, Can I just quickly put something out there? No, please. I would, go right I would like to see the ESPN and the statisticians over at the ESPN just ditch all of that. No more point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. I just want to see guard, forward, center. That's how it should be. It doesn't make sense anymore. That's in how it position. is for the All Star Game, right? They don't in they the, don't classify exactly it by right. that. In this positionless positionless league that we have today, you cannot be putting people under point guard. It is not 1986 anymore. You cannot be going. Look at this point guard. He's a you know your job is to pass the ball and shoot when needed, and then so on so forth with the other five positions. People play other positions. You know, you see Victor Wembanyama say the other day, "I'll play any position this team needs me to play," and he will. If they say you're playing shooting guard tonight, he goes, okay, I'm still staying in the paint. Like it does not make a difference. And they'll, I don't know why they do that, but we're getting a little bit off topic here. So we'll go back to the, the whole Kyle Lowry uh, discourse. I think Kyle Lowry is fine for what he is. And he is a tough competitor. He is through and through someone that's going to try his hardest and play as many minutes as possible without shooting the ball unless he has to. Now, he shoots the three well, statistically over the season. I wish he'd do more of that, but he's not a spot-up shooter. It's not what he's about. If you're not going to do that, if you're not going to shoot, that's fine. I'd like to see him try and get Bam open more. I'd like to see him run the pick and roll with Bam or try something in in, in that space. I feel like that's the only reasonable thing. I don't think I'm being unreasonable with asking for that. The Heat should look for other options at point guard. I feel like that $30 million expiring contract is an asset if you let it be. Oh, it's but an asset. Not... All right. Oh, it's the biggest asset we've had in a long time. It's the you know, biggest it... asset 
that we've ever seen in the, in the the state of Florida, in Miami, in Orlando, in Tampa, in Tallahassee, <laughs> I Tallahassee. Think it, I, th- I think it might be the Eastern Conf- Conference asset of the week. I think it, uh, uh, of the year, actually. Of the generation, of the decade, millennium. of the millennium. <laughs> I think you could make that argument for Whoa. sure, but you're, you're talking about point guard now. So, I mean, let, let's continue to talk about it. If you if you really want to think about an upgrade, there there's I know I think it was um, Winhorst had it earlier today on Twitter where he was talking about the Lakers and the Hawks have reengaged now in, in Dejounte Murray conversations and I, I have to say Harry said it in a spaces too and I agree with it wholeheartedly. It's like if the Lakers really find a way to get Murray with what they currently have, you you've got to be looking somewhere. You got to be looking in the mirror and say to yourself like, all right, what's going on? Because the Heat have a better package for DeJounte Murray than the Lakers do. You're not going to find many people that probably disagree with that. I want to ask you this, though, George. If the the Hawks come to you and say, like, all right, Duncan and DeJounte's contracts match up almost identically. I think there's like a million off, which is still crazy to even think about. But would you do Duncan in two firsts? For Murray, I don't even think two first. I don't even think you have to do two first. But if that's the offer, what would you say? I think instantly. I think that's that's an undeniable upgrade at the point guard position. Now, no slight to Duncan. Duncan's been great, and I mean a full revitalization of of everything that that guy has done well in the first two years of his career, and everything bad he did in in the the latest two years of his career. This season has been a revelation for him. I think that this team desperately, desperately needs a, a point guard that can facilitate and can be a point of attack defender. And DeJounte fits the bill. But better than not, than anyone else that's that's even been rumored to be available now. I mean, I, I think that that's a no-brainer. The, the Lakers have their picks between 2026 and 2030. They have their own picks, both of them. Now, they said that they would like two firsts in that deal. He can offer two firsts. Now, I think you can make the, ma- the salaries match a lot easier because of the Kyle Lowry contract. The, if you're going to be trading away to Jante Murray, you're kind of, you, in actual fact, I'm not saying you, that the, the Hawks are not going to be trying to compete for a championship this year, but it's very unlikely. You're getting rid of one of your best players. He's been pretty great the whole season. I've had him on my fantasy team for a while. He's been fantastic for me. Nothing but praises sung. But, He's also a Rich Paul contracted player. And we know how that goes. Yes, and- but the Heat have already come out and said that they are interested, or at least been rumored to be interested in him, which is at least, in my opinion, a step in the right direction. That, that I mean, that, that all that is is really just like, you know, a moral victory. In the that is speculation at best. We know we know the Heat do not like to give away anything, through even through the Dame saga. You, something You'd be hard-pressed hard- to find anything concrete about that anything. for sure. Anything we were struggling, and and you know we've got very uh, competent, investigative people in inside of the uh, the basement chat, and also part of our uh, you know random Scotty podcast. We couldn't find anything. Now, I think that this is just speculation. The fact that he's a point guard, he doesn't play for the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are interested in him. That's what the Miami Heat are interested in him. There we go. That's it. If it makes sense on paper, it makes sense in the real world, but. Will they be looking to make that move? I don't know. I Probably think that they not. Should. 
I think they should, but there's, I think there's plenty of other options out there. If you don't want to go down the DeJounte Murray route, the Washington Wizards have someone named Tyus Jones. We've constantly hounded this point. And I really think that he's a, a very, very competent point guard on any team. Now, in Washington, he's letting his, his talents waste out, just where he is. But a Daniel Gafford and a Tyus Jones for... Kyle Lowry, whatever you want to put else in there, makes perfect sense. The Heat have had unfortunately bad luck when it comes to backup uh, center position, uh, the backup center position. But Daniel Gafford fits the bill. He is a very, very competent player with the few minutes he gets. And I'm saying, even as the fact that he is, from to my knowledge, one of the only two healthy centers on that Washington team, he still only plays like 23 minutes. I don't get it, but he still puts up three, four blocks. You know, he'll block, he'll do what he needs to do. I feel like that's a good move for the Heat on both sides with Gafford and with Ty Jones. But the contracts at length is something we have to look out for because Mickey's made it pretty apparent that he doesn't want to go over a certain, you know, certain bill. I think Andy as well has made it certain that he doesn't want to go and flip the bill for a lot of these players. So you have to look out for the contracts as well, so which makes which puts the Heat in a very uncomfortable position where they have to look for players overperforming for what they're being paid for, and that's what they've done throughout the years. You don't think that uh, that that Tyus is just kind of a band aid situation, you, or do you think he, you could see him being more of a long term piece for them? Because I the way I see it, I like him a lot. Don't get me wrong, and I like Gafford too in the sense that anything is better than what we currently have. And that's funny because what, three months ago we were singing the praises of Thomas Bryant. Oh no, 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 <laughs> no longer. But do, I still do you think, think the Tyus is more of a bandaid? I still think he can be redeemed. Tyus, uh, sorry, not Tyus, um, uh, Thomas Bryant can be redeemed. Give it time. I don't think it will happen, but I think it can happen. Is it a bandaid situation? Absolutely. Because right now it's anything you can go. You could put Shabazz Napier in there. And he would probably Easy. get minutes at the, at, the, at the point guard position. You know, I I would be open to that as well. Will it happen? They wouldn't even pick up Goran Dragic as a vet presence on a team that desperately needs a point guard. I don't know if they're even going to do this deal. I, I think it would probably have to. I don't know. I I, I don't think. I said it in, in the, the playback today, too. Uh, I, I don't think that you're really going to see Murray get moved for two firsts. I don't think that's the market for him. That's what the Hawks want. That's why they've come out and said that, which means they haven't been getting that offer. They've only I been didn't getting really think one fair, first. Though. I think it's fair. I think it's a fair offer. I don't I disagree that. with that. And I, yeah. I'm saying if, if they called you or you called them and you made that offer, and they, I think they would accept it. And I think it is fair for both sides. But I don't think that's what his value is because the Hawks wouldn't have come out and said, this is what we want if that's what they were already getting. They're only getting one first-round pick offered to them right now along with a salary match of equal or greater or slightly lesser value, I guess. I, I, I don't I don't see that moving up. Maybe there'll be a bidding war for that because there are definitely multiple teams that could use him, Miami being one of them. And Lakers being another one, too, that I still think Miami beats their offer. I think Miami beats a lot of the team's offers that have been interested in him, too. Especially the Spurs. Well, maybe not the Spurs. If the Spurs, a Spurs first-round pick would hold, would move mountains, I guess, for Atlanta. Uh, I don't see value. why they would I don't see why they would do that necessarily, though. Or maybe they'd give Atlanta back one of those first that they traded to them. I think that's probably more within the realm of possibility because Atlanta's like 16 and 23 right now, I think, off the top of my head. But the main uh, reason here now 
as we shift our focus because this isn't this isn't an exclusive trading podcast here. We'll get into that probably if not next week, the week after that, because what February eighth, I think it is, is the trade deadline. If I'm right, is that right, George? February eighth. Uh, this is. So we're we're closing in on being able to really just hone in on that and see the Heat make an important move because they're treading water right now, and that's okay. But you saw this because today Jimmy Butler comes back. It's all feel good vibes, right? But just last game. You'll see it. The title of the podcast says it. My picture right here, if you're watching on YouTube, says it. A soul for a soul. You get Jimmy Butler back, you lose Jaime Jaquez for at least a couple weeks. Because the Heat said that they're going to be careful with this. They don't want to rush him back. They're going to take their time and let Jaime kind of actually rest from this groin injury. That Was it who threw the lob? Was it Tyler that threw the lob that hurt Jaime? I don't don't remember. I was drinking during the game. It, it was, was not against was, the Hornets. That's a valid thing to I be was doing. At, it wasn't because of the game. I was just I just happened to be somewhere else and watching the game. And if it was Tyler Hero, we have to put a league wide investigation into this. We really do because the, the <laughs> I know where you're going. The amount of times I have seen that man throw a lob to someone or pass someone who's been injured is it borders on discrimination. It has to. Like I, I don't know. Like I'm, and <laughs> the way that he wanted Udonis Haslam to be absolutely murdered on one of those lobs. The way he hit the floor, Udonis Haslam. By the way, I'm speaking about <laughs> when that lob was thrown. I don't know if he thought he was playing 2K and they just give everyone an automatic athleticism boost when the lob comes thrown in. But he caught that ball and then proceeded to head right for the for the floor, and that will forever be one of the funniest moments in Heat history. It's that. And, and he kind of had it coming to him in the finals when he had hurt his, I forgot what he hurt. Was it his wrist? He broke his wrist and then had the ball thrown to him in the corner. It's, it broke it his ha- hand. Broke yeah, his hand. I, I think that was Gabe getting some retribution for sure because he did that to UD. He's done it to Bam multiple times. He's gotten Jimmy hurt in the past on that. And then it's, he did it to get Hame injured against Charlotte. All I'm saying is when I seen him throw that ball, I knew something bad was going to happen. And he he robbed Hame of what have probably have been a career high game in points. Because he had oh, he 15, was a, in the 15 in the first quarter. quarter. Yeah, he, he, he was playing phenomenal. He and would have had 30 by halftime. He could have realistically been pushing high 30s, low 40s had they actually done it. Because Horn, the Hornets made a comeback a little bit in that third quarter, right? Yeah, they did. They got it to single digits. So, like, he he would have been out there still playing. So Tyler robbed him of that, but I don't want to harp too much on Tyler. I actually want to kind of, well, no, you know what? No, before we do that, we still need to talk about, cause Harry would be damned if we didn't do it. I need to give him credit too. You were on the show when Harry said it too. It, he wasn't excited when Tyler originally came back a couple weeks ago. Cause he's like, why does it matter? Someone else is going to get hurt. Sure enough. Tyler comes back. Jimmy gets hurt. Jimmy comes back, gets hurt again. Leaves. Like you said, George, for the last nine or 10 games on the last game before he comes back, He's, he's listed as doubtful for the game, which is a positive sign for the Heat because they were always listing him as out. They said mm-hmm. if he doesn't play against Charlotte, he's going to play Monday against Brooklyn. So we knew he was coming back the next game. Now Hame's out for, again, I said the Heat are going to be cautious with it. I don't think Hame's going to play for the rest of January. I think you might see him probably at the very beginning of February. Groin injuries are nothing to mess around with. No, Those absolutely can li- I, They're, I, they're I, like I, hamstrings. They can hang around for a while. I, I think... I think he comes back in about nine days' time. I, and that's just me being optimistic about the situation. I'm not saying he can't, 
I just think I don't think I didn't think it was a bad enough injury for him to. I feel like it was if there was any other situation, if it was a crunch time, you know, playoff time, it's a three to four game injury maximum, maximum. But regular season, a lot more leeway. They might opt to put him out for the entire of January. I hope they don't. I really thoroughly enjoy watching him play basketball, so I don't think. That's selfish reason. At the end of the day, it's selfish. No, of course we all do. We all love watching yeah. him play because he's he's given such a good jolt of energy to not just the second unit but the closing unit. He's another body you can rely on. He's probably the most talented post player we have. He would have thrived today. That much he would have absolutely thrived today. By the way, in this in, in the way it was trending today, when we were really struggling in the first half, Harman oh, yeah. would, would have actually made a difference. Now. You know, would you know? It's all we're all talking hypotheticals here, but that game was molded for what he does best, which is rough in the paint. Needs to get an easy bucket. We'll do that. We'll spin. We'll we'll drop step. We'll do a whole bunch of stuff to get your easy buckets. Because in the first half, we were struggling massively. You brought it up before. Thirty-one points in the first half. Not even a joking matter at that point. Now, a pretty pretty abysmal effort. On on all accounts, but when the game on ninety six took an overtime to get there, isn't it? Isn't it funny though that when the Heat play, we actually take it back to like early two thousands nineties basketball when it's overtime and we're still both teams didn't even hit hundred points, and then you look at like an Indiana Pacers versus Oklahoma City game, one forty, one fifty three to one fifty nine or something like that, which is just. It's insanity to me to have someone can play that that lack of defense to, to allow a 150 point game in the NBA, even in even in its current state. It's it's pretty funny to me, but I think we we you know we wish him the best best of luck. I feel like playing the preservative role in in Hamas injury is the best route for this, and it's what they're probably going to opt for, which is good for them. Um, I'd like to look at the bench now, and I said it before. And I brought up a starter in Kyle Lowry, funny enough. But <laughs> Hayward Highsmith, Duncan Robertson, Josh Richardson, Caleb Barton, Thomas Bryant, these types of players. Now, the Heat are in the situation where they – it's like spaghetti. You want to know if it's cooked, you throw it against the wall and see if it sticks. They're looking for anything that sticks at the moment. Now, Josh Richardson closed the game out phenomenal tonight. He played an incredible defensive set. He hit a, a big triple – to, to bring the game closer before overtime. But shot three of 13 today. Now, I'm not angry at the, the fact that he took 13 shots. I'm not even mad at the fact that he missed 10 of them. I'm more upset at the fact that they don't... I feel like they don't integrate him into the lineup when they need him most. And When do you think I'm, that would be? I feel like that has to be earlier on in the game. I'm not talking about like from the get-go. Earlier on in the game... I feel like he needs to be playing concurrently for seven to seven to ten minutes. Um, that doesn't it doesn't matter if it goes over the break. I'm talking about if he plays the last five minutes of the first first quarter and plays three to four in the second. I like him to have a longer stretch of, of time on the floor because he played 28 minutes today, and it's great. I just feel like they they didn't actually break up his minutes to best give him the chance to do it. Like in the first half. Everyone was abysmal. I give everyone, a, you know, enough sl- slack to to tell them that they all played crap, and he wasn't. He didn't, you know, change that. He wasn't anything different. He shot like crap, but 
there needs to be a situation where it has to be him and Tyler on the floor together. I feel like he's a good, really good combo. But then also having Jimmy off the floor. I feel like Jimmy off the floor, that's when like you, you can lean on someone like Josh Richardson to then play a one-two game with Tyler Hero to really get you some easy scoring. But in crunch time, we see we see a hundred different sets. We see a hundred different rotations and closing lineups, especially now with Hame gone, who was taking a lot of minutes in that fourth quarter closing time. I was really surprised with Hame with Hame being out too that they, when they needed a stop that they kept Tyler Hero in the game instead of subbing out for Haywood Highsmith. Spotted that on there was two different closing possessions here in this game, one in regulation and one in overtime where Spo opted to have Tyler out there instead of stepping in Haywood for the one stop they needed. It didn't come back to bite them. Well, I guess overall in the grand scheme, it didn't come back to bite them. It did bite them on that final possession where Mikel Bridges got two free throws. But I, I was genuinely surprised to see Tyler out there and not Haywood. Were, were you? Did you share that same sentiment? Was I wasn't surprised. I won't, I'm not gonna lie. I wasn't surprised. Was I? More frustrated? Yes, 100%. Because, and, and it's not even a slight to Tyler Hero. The more the fact that even he switched off a defender with three minutes to go on Cam Thomas, like it was two minutes ago with Cam Thomas taking the ball down, he switched off him knowing that he's going to take the shot. So I need to get off this player because I can't defend at a high enough level to, to even contest the shot as it should be contested. Now, even if the, the player doesn't believe it, that he can do the job, the coach should also say, share that same sentiment and say, okay, maybe I shouldn't have him in right now. And there's a better lineup out there. You know, you could, Josh Richardson, if you're talking about a closing defensive lineup, you got it's Highsmith, Bam, Jimmy, uh, Josh Richardson, and Kyle Lowry could be a really, you know, efficient kind of defensive lineup. I feel like that's what they should have gone with. I feel like Kyle spent enough time out of the game to, may have found it hard to reintegrate him later in the game. But I could even see them playing Caleb Arden in a small shooting guard role. You know, playing next to next to Richardson. I feel like that could be a far faster, more, far superior option than having Tyler here on the floor. Now, you've got timeouts. You've got the subs, though, breaks in the game. It's not like they couldn't do it. But Tyler Hero in defensive sets, closing the game, just doesn't make sense. He's a scorer, and that's what he's that's what he's defined as and that's what he should be because as a scorer you know you see how well he did down the stretch and when we needed a bucket he hit with some beautiful floaters a couple threes he, he made a rain he made some really good choices but doesn't mean you have to keep him on the floor 24 7 even when the defensive sets start i feel like they could have just opted for something way better no, i agree I, th I think you hit the nail on the head i i, I loved what tyler did for them this game that that first half was abysmal for him. He bounced back and had a very strong, efficient second half. That is basically the catalyst on why they won. Yeah. Jimmy kept brought the comeback in the third quarter, but then Tyler steadied things down, brought them back in overtime, mainly where he hit those two floor. I guess in regulation, he hit those two floaters to kind of ice the game. Bam. Unfortunately choked a free throw that probably would have made it all moot anyway. But then Tyler came back after Brooklyn jumped out to a 5-0 lead in overtime, which is usually with like two minutes left. That's usually the kiss of death. No, Tyler Hero hit back-to-back -back huge threes and then closed it out on the defensive end. They didn't wind up killing them on the defensive end either with Tyler out there. But now for as we close, I well, you know, before we close, there's one thing I did want to talk about is it, it bothered me how Spo didn't use Highsmith because 
he's good insurance, right, George? You you, you want to use your good insurance, don't you? I, I think it's the smartest thing to do. Okay, and just luckily enough, the main sponsor of the basement and of the Random Scotty podcast, uh, CFIA, the primary sponsors of the, the basement, Simple Health Advisors. Insurance does not need to be complicated. Email them or give them a call and tell them that the basement sent you at jpu at simplehealthadvisors.com. That is J-P-O-U-G-H at simplehealthadvisors.com. Or you can give them a call at 321-345-7738. Now, I think that in terms of insurance and in terms of what the Heat are trying to achieve in those closing sets, Hayward, that is his job. That's what they brought him in for. That's what he's shown and that's where he's excelled in today's game as a very good defender. Low block, you know, point of attack, can guard to his man, you know, can stick to his man very well. The fact that he, he had to play 11 minutes tonight is kind of, it, it's kind of indicative of what the Heat have been trying to do all season, or not trying to do, or what they've been doing all season, which is play a whole bunch of different minute, different minutes to different players, see what they can bring on the, on the side. Jay Rich having 28 minutes, Caleb having 34, you know, it's it, it's kind of a mismatch. It was, it's kind of a, sorry, a mish, mix and match of of points. Sorry, that's tongue twisted the hell out of me. But no, even mishmash, the, you know, you had, mishmash, you had, you had, you had the vibe mishmash. I, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what it is. I've only heard it a couple of times. I've never ever used that in my entire life. But that plays, it plays. Even Jovic as well, only playing 18 minutes tonight. Like it's, you got to look at where those, those, those minutes are being distributed. Now, Bam playing 44 minutes, I'd like to see that because I think whenever Bam's on the floor, you give yourself the best chance to get enough stops to then get your offense flowing as well. And Claxton would have killed you on the glass if Bam wasn't oh. in there. Claxton, you know what? I, in no way is Claxton anywhere close to what Bam is right now, but Claxton as just a, a low block defender and can swat a couple shots and he's just he's just long and athletic. And he he, he showed it. He, he ripped down a rebound late in the game and then took a few dribbles was already half court. I'm like, I, I didn't even know. I swear to God, like before I saw his number, I did not know who the hell that was. I thought it could have been anybody. I just thought, oh, is that like Watford or something like that? No, it wasn't Watford. It was, it was, it was um Claxton, but he looked like a guard. So I feel like he gives you so much. But you have to have Bam in there as much as you can. And get, by the way, grabbing twenty rebounds in a game, I know it, for some people they might count that as like empty stats. Eighteen of them were defensive boards, but over the years we've seen the Heat trend to a you know another problem where they just don't like to close out rebounds. They don't like to box out. They don't like to kind of fight for what's theirs. And because when it's there, they think, oh, okay, someone's going to get the rebound anyway. And we kind of get lazy on that aspect. Now, over the years, we have different fixes for that. And then come to the come closer to the end of the season, you see that they've kind of fixed up those holes. But I'm, I'm very impressed with what Bam did tonight. And I think that, you know, you have to play him that many minutes. So Hayward playing 12 minutes, not that surprising, but Hayward not playing close, closing the game. I'm more surprised about because I feel like that was just the most obvious, you know, the most obvious decision come to that time, but I, I could be wrong. And now we move to our final segment where we talk about George's profile picture. For those who are just listening on the podcast, George's profile picture is PJ Tucker. There was a report today that uh, said that the Heat might not be interested in a trade market. They'd be shifting their focus to the buyout market as they did last year, this time with PJ Tucker in mind. Yeah. 
I don't, I don't have many thoughts for you on that because I don't think that we need to be moving backwards in years when it comes to um, our front court players. I prefer, I think Kevin Love already has the veteran leadership savvy and the gray hair down pat for our front court. I don't think we need a PJ Tucker that has not scored an NBA point since November 14th. I don't think we need that, a player who can't get on the court. I don't think we need a 38-year-old, personally. But, George, for your profile picture's sake, how do you feel about the idea of P.J. Tucker? I know earlier today you were on board with the idea. Has that opinion changed? Initially, I looked at it and I saw said, okay. And in my tweet, I, I mentioned he did pioneer with Bam the best front court this team's ever seen. And he was 35 years old. Now, I'm not worried about the fact that he's 38 if the Heat did opt to get him. I, and initially, I was like, okay, another veteran, someone who's cheap in the buyer market, you'd pretty much lose nothing for him unless, uh, which I'm going to reference something that Hotek Harry said. Um, he, If you have to give a pickup to then make the salary sacrifice to get someone like PJ, it just doesn't. It's just not worth it. And I, I can I completely concur with that with that sentiment. It, it it has to be the case where it it has to be for him coming in for nothing. But the more I looked into it, the more I spoke about it, and the more that people spoke to me about it, it opened my eyes to the fact that we don't actually need someone. In, forget that position. You know, we play like I was talking before as a positionless game, but it needs to be the fact that. He, he just doesn't get minutes here. He doesn't make his breakthrough here. I don't think he plays in front of Hayward Highsmith. I don't think he plays in front of Caleb. Jovic, uh, uh, hell no. I think he's played phenomenal so far. I think he's shown a lot that like you could actually lean on that come close to the end of the season. Um, Kevin Love as well has played unbelievable basketball up to this point. And you're right. He has that veteran presence down pat. And that's his that's his his motto. That's what he hangs his hat on at the end of the day. And it's great. I really liked it for the fact that he was a good locker room guy, but that he'd have so many more glaring and pressing issues at hand. I feel like it's kind of completely moot at this point to then go out and try and get yourself a PJ Tucker when you have so many holes in the guard position. You have Kyle Lowry, you have Tyler Hero, you have Josh Richardson and Duncan Robinson. And Duncan could be classified as a forward as well. He's six foot. Was it six, 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 seven? I think he almost. He might even be six eight. Six eight. Honestly. Yeah, I think it was the, the first number that came to my head was six eight. But we'll fact check in a second. But I think you're right. He doesn't get. I feel like he's at that point. He's He's competing with minutes on the level of like a Thomas Bryant, where like five minutes tonight. And there's just no point in trying to go get yourself a guy like that. If you want someone like that so badly, let him retire and then bring him on as a coach you know, or as an advisor, do something like that. But you're right. He doesn't really get time in this, on this roster. I don't really see the sense in it, but if it happened, I wouldn't be overly upset about it. You know, in the grand scheme of things, if we gave up nothing, I, I definitely wouldn't be banging my head against the wall if they got him, but I, I, I would definitely be rolling my eyes. Like it wouldn't break me mentally. I would just definitely have a huge exhale moment and be like, we're doing this. We're really running it back in in the purest sense of the form when people wanted to run it back three years ago and now they're, they are doing it, whatever. 
this is this is this is the new normal. They like their team except reality, blah blah blah. We'll get into more of that though in the coming weeks, as I previously mentioned. Thank you guys so much for tuning in for another episode of the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. We wanted to keep this one relatively short, especially with Harry not yapping up a storm on the pod. I love you, Harry, so much. Thank you guys so much for listening, spending some time with some random scrubs like me and George. We'll catch you guys in the very next episode of the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. Take care and remember, be good people. Need a stop and a rebound. For you. For three. Oh, my. That was the Random Scrub Heat Podcast.